<laughs> hey, Simon, how's it going, man? Hey, good, you? I'm doing well, good to see you. So you yeah. got your hurt shirt on? Yeah, I, I always have to display my race. That's my subtle <laughs> way of bragging all the time. <laughs> well, thanks for showing up. I, uh, I'm excited. Um, I'm excited about um, this new content format and, um, and just seeing what we can create here uh, together in this space. It's a little different format, I think, for both of us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm super excited, too. I feel that when I make videos, it's very much a monologue. And I want to be a stand-up comedian, so that works a little bit. But sometimes a dialogue with certain topics will be super helpful. And obviously, we've raced together. Uh, we have both different experience. So I think that's going to be also very productive, especially that you're a coach. So that's actually amazing. Yeah, I'm uh, excited about the format. Um, you've got a ton of great content out there. You have, um, I think I've been in the space maybe longer um, in the ultra running world. But um, gosh, you have. Yeah, you've been running, what, 40 years? <laughs> a long time I've been running. How, how are your knees, Brian? I think I'm going to ask you that knees, every week. Yeah, I think actually I just got that I just got that question the other day, believe it or not, you know, and I just shake my head. At the, I was at the Hot Springs pool after I ran uh I ran the last day of January, January 31st, I ran 24 miles for uh completion of a challenge I was doing. Um but short order, um an old timer in the Hot Springs pool literally asked me that question. How are your knees? <laughs> How can you keep running, right? And I was like, oh. I can't. I can't help noticing you didn't answer the question, Brian. <laughs> my knees are fine. My <laughs> knees are fine. Good. Yeah, yeah. my muscles good, good. are sore, which is good too. But um, but yeah, nothing to do with the knees. Cool. Um, hey, I wanted to. I just got a, a text message from a kid's parent. <laughs> That's. I have my phone over this side here. Um, cool. Hey, Simon, we've met in i want to say it was pre-covid 2019 am i am i making no that no it was it was um was it, it was leadville leadville 2021 oh 21 okay so it was yeah, post yeah. Okay. yeah it was leadville um and maybe you could touch on um touch on that a little bit and i'll fill in the gaps because i because we both have two sides of that story <laughs> because clearly you don't remember much of it yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah so um I just got into ultra running more or less with COVID actually. So that's why I actually know the detail of when it was specifically. Hmm. And I was doing the Grand Slam that year. I didn't have nearly as much experience. Maybe I had four or 500 milers already. And there was this uh, guy, the Tutu guy, what's his name? Keith, I think. Um, do you know the Tutu runner? He's one of those 100, 100 miler. Anyway, I raced with him at Old Dominion. I was like, Leadville is the hardest race out there. I'm always like a few minutes only below cutoff. So it really got me stressed about the race. I was super nervous. So we went in Leadville early to, to scout a little bit and meet people. And we met a common friend. Uh, we met um, Mickey and Tracy. And they gave us a bunch of good tips. Then eventually my wife, Nora, was going to crew me. Uh, and that's where they, she met you. And obviously, She's much nicer than I am. So you guys became friends. I hadn't seen you at all. You introduced me to Tom, who became my pacer for Leadville, or most of it. I think he did like uh, 20, 24, 26 miles. And then we met after the race. I was like, who the fuck is that guy? But, <laughs> but things have evolved since then, obviously. We've raced a lot together, including Badwater. So thank you again for that. That was amazing. Yeah, so I, um, so my side of that story is um, I was pacing uh, in 21. I was pacing pollen 
And you all met at the pre-race dinner um, up at, um, gosh, what is that place called? The yeah, oh, I can't I can't remember. Remember. Depot or the it's a train station, um, an old an old train station. I can't remember the specific name of it, um, and I'll have to find out for you. But um, but shorter, you guys met at um, a cool little pre race dinner, um, an exclusive dinner too, a little a little compact. And so yeah, I think you all sat together. It was Simon or you and Colin and uh, Mickey were all the runners, and then all your significant others were there, and you met. And so. Um, Mark and Leanne and I showed up to pace our runners, um, and it was rainy. We're at Twin Lakes. It's overpopulated. It's all those things of, of Leadville that, um, that you and I know. Um, but if you don't know, it is, um, it's a bit overwhelming. Um, if you're a first timer for sure, um, Twin Lakes didn't used to look like that, but it does now. So, um, so it is what it is. Yeah. But, um, but I remember Nora kind of being a little quiet and standing to the side and, we had a 10 by 10 pop up and it was raining and we were like, just come stand under the tent. It's fine. Like, you know, like you're only going to take up this little space. Just just get in here and stay dry at least because it's going to be a long day. Um, and so she agreed to that. And yeah, we befriended her and she said she was pacing, but she was nervous. And I was like, really? And so just by a fluke chance, I had a friend that lives fairly close enough that he was able to drive over and um, and meet you and meet us and pace you. Um, I think he paced you all the way to um, May Queen, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Nora did the end. Yeah, exactly. And uh, Thomas and I are still friends. Thomas and I have been longtime runners friends, and um, he's doing great things in Colorado Springs. So um, we could talk about him some some other episode. But um, yeah, yeah, that's our connection. So that's kind of funny. Um, yeah, and I I did sub twenty five thanks to you guys that year. I'm sorry. So I, I got I did sub twenty five that year thanks to you guys. So I I got my big buckle. Oh, okay. And actually, oh, that was the year you got the big buckle. Nice. Now that you mentioned the dinner, I remember actually the first time I ever heard about you. You were texting Mickey during the dinner, and you you sent your buckle, obviously pictures of all your buckle, and that was very impressive. And of course, Mickey's response was, "I see a lot of small buckles in there." And I was like, "I like these guys, just jabbing each other a little bit." So, yep, that was Mickey right there. Yeah, and and um, I mean, get to not date ourselves, but um, even last night and this morning, we were still texting with Mickey uh, in a thread with Nora, Mickey, Mark, and Leanne. And Tracy and Mickey um, were all texting about an event that Mickey was just in. So, um, yeah, so we Mickey's all a, we still have that connection. Mickey's the opposite type of runner than I am. I think he is an extremely fast runner, and he does not slow down. It's either he explodes or not, and he has amazing finish time. But also, that means sometimes he blows up. Whereas for me, I'm very quick to say, "Eh, I'm gonna walk this hill. I don't care anymore." It's a revert. It's a um, it's the ability to revert back to like a B goal, right? Like, all right, I'm going to go for the A goal and I'm going to try to, you know, maybe PR or set my own course record on this particular course that I've done before. Um, and I think that's Mickey's goal a lot of the times, but he doesn't have a B goal that most of the time it's either he's, all, he's or, all nothing. or nothing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I totally respect. He goes, yeah, he yeah, goes deep into the paint cave to make it happen and to run with like Ian Sherman and these type of runner, whereas I'm like, I'll take a picture with them, but I won't run with them. I know, I know, I'll blow up. So very impressive guy. <laughs> I see them out on the course, but it's on the reverse side when we're. When we're <laughs> yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Um, cool. Um, let's just kind of um, dive into maybe the next topic a little bit. Um, I was looking at my race calendar and then yours. 
Um, and, and it's funny because I, you know, we follow each other on social media and I put mine out um, just a couple days before you, I think, or a week or so before you. Um, but mine is three, um, three good events. I got Cocodona 250 here in May. Um, I'm back in Leadville for potentially my ninth finish. Um, speaking of Leadville, just a few seconds ago, and and then I'm going back to Moab for my third attempt um, there, or um, hopefully my third finish. Um, I do have two attempts with two finishes at Moab 240 in October. And I, my structure of my season this year was really just kind of like bookending um, May and October um, with um, some hard challenges. But I really want to focus on Leadville, quite honestly, and I'm trying to go for a fast time or faster than I have been in the last couple of years. I've been in that 29, 29th hour the golden hour way too many times in the last um, few years and um, i'm getting close to that 10 buckle 10 year mark 1000 mile mark um, which potentially could be 2025 so but i, I really want to get some wheels and a little bit of speed um, back into my legs instead of um, trying to crush um, just all these finishes i, I really want to go for a big buckle at leadville so i think that allows me some time in the middle to not have everything so stacked up on each other in the middle um, and so my Instagram post, Facebook post was just one little, one little block post. And then I, and then yours came out just the other day and I had a slide through it. It, it, I think it's, I think I counted either six slides or 14. Oh, I, yeah. See that, that's the funny thing. I don't know how many races are. Yeah. I think it was 16 or 14, um, event, 14. um, this season. And there's a couple that are still questionable. I, I believe you're still in some lotteries for them. Um, so I explain the structure of my season. What does your season look like, Simon? Yeah, I, I hate training. So the best way to not train is to always be in cycle of tapering <laughs> and healing. So that's why I have so many races. but um, I don't have necessarily a race, like you said for Leadville, where like, it's clear, if you wanna finish strong, you gotta have a buffer period. And I don't really have that. I'm still on a roll of trying to do more or less a hundred miler every month, but the goal is not so much to do one every month. The goal is more to do all the race I want to do. And I know that doing more than one every three, four weeks is just going to totally destroy me. So that that's the general idea. And I won't go through all of them, but short term, I have black Canyon, which by the time this is out, black Canyon is probably out and ultra jackpot, same thing. But I tried also this year, you know, we, there's a lot of discussion with um, where the sports is going. Um, some race organization may be being, doing things that they shouldn't be doing. And we might talk about that later, but one of the positive news, and I'm someone who's trying to be more positive about things is more trying to find a solution is the World Trail Major, which is trying to, to acknowledge different race, different race organization across the world. And I'm trying to do as many as possible truth is I'm not sponsored. So I am broke all the time. So it's easier for me to race in Arizona because we live in California and then fly back home in Quebec and then race uh, Quebec medical trail. So that's going to be fun. The other big thing I'm doing this year is I'm doing my first 200 mile plus. I'm going to do Cocodona with you. Uh, so I'll need some help and we definitely need to talk about that someday. And I put my name in lottery for Tour de Géant, um, mm. TDG in Italy. And that would be the top race that I've ever wanted to do. I just always felt I was not ready for it. But I think this year is the year at least to go in the lottery. So this year is the year that my name is not picked. <laughs> Next year is the year that I race it, I think. <laughs> so we'll see. But very, very excited about this year. Very excited about sharing that, of course, with people. Um, I think there's a, there's a lot that can happen in one year. So we'll see how it goes. It's aspirational at best. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, I just... 
Um, it's kind of funny because I think we have different takes on a season. So I actually didn't enjoy last season where I raced once a month, um, mm. just for four months in a row. Um, I felt like I missed out on summer in the Colorado Rocky Mountains. Like I was always recovering other than racing. Like I want to go out on the weekends during the week. I want to go hit some 14ers and do all these things. And all last summer, all I wound up doing was just recovering, spinning my legs on a bicycle and just trying to maintain some sort of uh, recovery and a minimal amount of fitness to get into the following uh, month's race. Um, yeah, I mean, so it, and it's funny because yeah. you're right. And for me, racing during the summer is my way to actually have a summer, especially so last two years, we spent about three months in Colorado in the mountains. And sure, in between race, sometimes I cannot run as much, but I can go hiking. I go do 14ers. I think I've done like four, 45 or 46 of the 14ers in like the past two summers. So healing forces me to actually say, okay, yeah, today we're, today we're hiking. We're not, mm -hmm. we're not running. And as opposed to having a like training block where I'm trying to do 20, 25 miles, I'll just go do my hike and I'll be with Nora. We'll be traveling, discovering places. So yeah, that's, that's kind of my way to actually have a summer, but my bus, uh, my bus is less supportive for this year. So we'll see, we'll see yeah, how long I can do. My boss is too. I totally get it. Yeah, yeah, you work for yourself, right? Well, okay. I mean, and your I wife, and, and she lives with me. Yeah, in the same house, we sleep in the same bedroom together. Um, yeah, so I get it. Yeah, some of my struggles are uh, geared with just travel and um, kids' events. I got two um, school-aged um, daughters at home. They're really active. They dance. They play volleyball, um, and so always trying to um work around their schedules as well so so my schedule is a little less flexible um but yeah. that's life and that's the way it works and yeah. for sure and i think you know we're we're not pro runners we're hopefully relatable but you have to do with what you can with what you have and i always say it all the time sure i'm someone who's very driven and can find times and that's how i'm able to travel all the time and and, and do all of these races. but if you have kids it's a little different so there's definitely a part of why I'm racing so much that it's it's now or it's going to be in 20 years. So let's do it. Yeah, now. yeah, 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 yeah. able to to just, you know, bounce back, not immediately, like, quite frankly, I see people bouncing back the day after a race. I'm like, dude, I'm not I'm not that age anymore. It takes me a solid week to be well enough to jog, um, which is oh, a misconception. Just wait, think, just wait, it's coming. It's going to be longer than one week. Maybe 50 in May. I know. I, you're, you said you were not going to age yourself. And we were pretty close by saying you ran for 40 years. But now you just age yourself. Yeah, When's well, your birthday? You should say the date yeah, now. Along the line. How old am I, right? If I've been running for 40 years. <laughs> yeah. But you were, and when you were younger, you were doing more like track or like actual, like actual, actual running, you know, which is also really cool. I mean, that's a lot of knowledge that you have right there. Uh, whereas I'm a late bloomer, I was not running before 30. So, yeah, definitely. I um, I was a prodigy kid um, growing up. I ran the mile and the two mile on the track um, all summer long. I went to every 10k, 5k, um, every weekend across northern New Jersey um, that my parents would take me to. Um, that's kind of like uh, where I got my start in the sport mm -hmm. of in love of just running in general. Obviously, this sport's a little bit different. Ultra running, it was around quite honestly. Um, we know Leadville started in 1983 and I was probably doing those things in 1984, 1985. Um, that would have been me being 10, 11, 12 years old. Wow. 
So, I'm, um, so definitely I was in the space, in the running world. Um, I had some great coaches um, that went on to do some um, incredible things. Um, and I've, it, it's always been a part of my life. A lot of things have changed in my life, um, but running has always um, stuck around. I did transition to triathlon um, and, and it's okay. Kind of Nobody's world. perfect, Brian. It's okay. <laughs> yeah. It's a safe space. But I quickly transitioned out of triathlon into <laughs> into ultra running, and uh, in 2010, when I did my first Leadville pre kids, um, that was my best um, my best result and best time at Leadville um, to go back to the the, the former thread. Um, yeah. But in general, um, I enjoy um, the sport, the space, um, and all that ultra running has offered, um, and um, that I've helped to um, establish for myself uh, between my own business and coaching um, mm -hmm. that I do full time and um, all the friends and camaraderie, um, all the text email threads that we have going on between our friends um, that are racing currently this weekend or or not. So yeah, it's, it's been an interesting journey and just um, super fun to be there um, and kind of see it all happen. Um, but we do have, um, we do have some issues, right? Um, if we can, uh, we can probably touch on them quickly. But um, what about UTMB and and the and the state of the sport? I guess um, is a good segue into that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I did have questions for you, but I'll, I'll I'll reserve for another episode. But yeah, I mean, I think I think it's good to level up with people and like why we want to talk about it a little bit. I mean, myself, I might even make a video on my channel. It might already be out about the whole UTMB situation. And I feel that a lot of the voice that are heard are either pro runner or the race organization and normal people, average people that I think the sport is our sports too. It's not just the fastest runner out there that the race belongs to. It's not, you know, whoever wins Leadville is the one that owns Leadville. I think the last finisher and the first finisher should have their say. And we're, we're, we're a little voice. We don't have as much weight, but I think creating a dialogue amongst people is important. And I think if you want, I can just give a brief overview of the situation. I'm curious if you if you have more takes on it because I'm not an expert on it. But that, the yeah, reality yeah. is that I think, I think just for context and purposes, if somebody doesn't know exactly, um, exactly. But I, I don't know the detail, and the truth that. is, the average runner doesn't know the detail. Um, but the the latest kind of update, of course, was like the the whole Gary Robin situation. Gary Robin being a very well respected and very well known ultra runner, but also race director. He had a race in Whistler. The race was kind of pushed aside uh, because of how it was difficult to deal with Vail Resort. We learned this fall that UTMB is launching a race pretty much the same date, pretty much the same place. Uh, and then, of course, that leads to speculation. Was there foul play a little bit? Or was it just Vail that were being dicks? And I think if UTMB had been a race organization that was seen positively, people would have just said Vail Resort are assholes. And that would be the end of the story. But truth is, uh, UTMB, which has done a lot for the sport, uh, denying that UTMB, the race itself, is a great race would be insane. It's it's the world championship, and it's an amazing race, and I would love to do it someday. But that leads to, just like any other big race, it's tough to get in, and then they create the monopoly system with the stone system that has rubbed people the wrong way. And one of the reasons it rubbed the wrong way is because Ironman bought a share in UTMB, and it's very easy to draw parallel between UTMB as a final and Kona. And just the monopoly system of Ironman, where you have to race other Ironman race just to go to Kona, it's going to cost you probably twenty, thirty thousand dollars to race the race, and that just doesn't sit well with trail runner. So, sure, the Gary Robin situation sucks, uh, but 
was it did they do anything bad i mean i i was not in the meetings i have no clue but the stone system the monopoly system the perception that it's getting more and more commercial and that other small race organization that are just doing that for the love of the sports are getting pushed around i think that's where people actually have an issue and that led to some pro runners zach miller killian jernet sending email to all elite runners uh, to rethink a little bit if they should meet somewhere else instead of UTMB, because UTMB is not the official final of anything. It's just best runner go there. So winning UTMB is a big deal. But if everyone, if all the Killian Jornet of this world would say, hey, we're racing, we're racing Leadville next year, then the big race becomes Leadville. And that's the race that is important. Um, did, did you receive an email from Killian and uh, Zach or? I it might be in my junk spam box. I, I think I so think too. So. I think so. I blocked them. You know, Killian writes to me all the time. I was like, dude, you're just annoying. So I blocked him. But uh, <laughs> yeah, no, they did not email me. Um, too bad. Um, but yeah, and that's that's their take. And I think different group have different um, priorities. Obviously, the race they want money, uh, which is, which is fine. Making money is not a problem. Being profitable is not a problem. And they will make money with sponsors and also with registration. Pro runner want visibility, they want sponsorship, they want money too, and that's normal. And I think the little guy, what do we want? Well, we just want a good race and we don't want to overspend. And we want also maybe a race that support the local community, supports the sport in general, is environmental conscious. So we have kind of different priorities. And that's where I think we need to ask ourselves, where's the sport going? And, and are we okay with some of the direction? So that's my monologue for now. <laughs> Mike, see you now. I think it's um yeah it's definitely interesting it's actually obviously a hot topic um at least in um in in the most recent news um and where it's at I'm not sure if there's um a good platform for um the mid packer to um to to join the conversation and, and so no, no offense to um the pros that are um I'm sure they can send emails around to each other um and maybe they didn't get mine but it's um it's brian at altitudeendurancecoaching.com if you're interested. I mean, if you want to just put that. If, if they're looking for a coach, you know, <laughs> Zach um, Miller should write to you. <laughs> so with that said, I think it's um, I think it's an interesting point. Um, I don't think there's any discredit to the mid-packer. I don't, I don't think they were um, trying to leave us out. I just think that um, they operate in a different um, platform than we do. And, that, and that's fine by me. I understand that uh, to a certain degree. For some reason, UTMB um, has not been on my radar um, ever prior to this whole conversation, prior to Gary Robbins. I'm not sure why. Um, the stone system seemed a little weird. Um, I think that's only grown. Um, my lack of interest in it has only grown um, since um, Iron Man bought it. Um, I have Iron Man experience um, prior. I did tell you I did a decade of Iron Man racing. Um, and, and it just kind of leaves a like a weird taste i think i think there's a little bit of the sport of triathlon is dying um and and maybe that's just my point of view um because i'm not in the sport currently um but i think they needed to do something and they see the growth of trail running um and so they quickly were trying to jump ship and, and come in and um and i think everyone listening or viewing however you're however you're getting this content you can you've been a witness to it if you've been around for at least a year or two you've been a witness to um the fact that they are swooping up a lot of the events um locally um just the race down the street for me in grand junction colorado which is about an hour away um that race is now a utmb 
um, sponsored race. Um, they came in and swooped it up and took it off the calendar as a local event. Now it's, you know, earning stones and all those things. They added a 100K event. Um, so I don't know if it did anything, um, any injustice to that particular event or your particular event that you know of in your area. Um, but it's the monopolization of it. Um, it feels really um, not, um, it doesn't feel good. It, it feels um, nothing against Walmart, but it feels kind of like a little bit of Walmart, you know, going on a little bit of, um, you know, moving into the small town and building the big box store. Um, and, and for lack of a better term, I, I think, you know, nothing against yeah. Walmart. I do go I to mean, Walmart shop. Just I think it's that. exactly what it is. It, it's a big corporation that comes in and Again, nothing against Walmart at all. I think there is a reason why Walmarts exist and that's totally fine. But I do see a bigger problem when the mom and pop shop needs to close because of Walmart and there might be an in-between. And I think it can help a local race to now be a UTMB race. They have resources and now people want stone. So they will go and they will race your race. And, and that's fine, I think. My issue is a little bit about the monopoly. If if UTMB wants to be everywhere and have, you know, 50, 60 races everywhere across the world, I'm totally fine with that. But the stone system basically favors their race. And I think, look, if you put a good look, the race close to where you live, UTMB buys it. Okay, fine. If you put a good event and you care about your runner, it's not overpriced. It's a good course. Everything is good. People will come in and that should be the end of it. You shouldn't have to say, and if you want to race our famous race mm -hmm. in France, then you got to sign up to one of them. I think that's kind of unfair advantage there that I see as being problematic. When it was a point system, I was much more happy with that. Um, and because they're not, they're not the only popular race that it's basically impossible to get in. And they just, instead of, instead of picking race that are not only theirs, um, you know, hard rock, for example, you're, you're going to wait eight years to get in hard rock nowadays and you have to do a qualifier, but the qualifier are not picked because they own it and it's profiting them. Mm -hmm. They pick the race because they're relevant. They pick the race because it aligns with their value, which actually that's one of the reasons why there are so few hard rock qualifier is they are careful about which race they admit. Um, whereas Western state is basically any race, but it's just a, a matter of qualification. So. I think there's there's a lot of question and I cannot fault UTMB too much as much as I love to bash them. I think they're more uh, symptoms of what's going on and they're capitalizing on it. Um, we've we've given them too much power and they, they use it and anyone would in their situation. Well, maybe not anyone, but a lot of people would. It's, it's just normal, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, if the if you have the means and the resources, um, you know, you're going to go for it. I, I feel like on a smaller level, on a more local level, um, Leadville's done the same thing with Lifetime Fitness. When Lifetime Fitness came in and bought it, um, they created a little series, a little micro um, yeah. culture. And if you did this one, you got the potential to get into that one and that one and that one and so on and so forth. And um, and it did. I think it stung a little bit, um, but not as much as UTMB. And I think it's just because of the scale of it, right? UTMB's done it on a worldwide scale and Leadville's done it on maybe a mountain town, Colorado scale. Yeah. And I think it's a great example, actually. I'm, I'm glad you're the one who brought it up because I didn't, I, I feel that Leadville would bar me forever if I say anything bad. And I love Leadville. So that, that's important to, to emphasize. But 
there's definitely been discontent about Leadville and the association with Lifetime. Uh, that's every year you, you hear people complaining about it, saying that it used to be a great race and it's not anymore and it's a shit show and whatever. I actually disagree with that. I do feel sometimes it felt corporate, but every time I had an issue, I was able to speak with someone and we were able to resolve it. And I can really see that they care about the community. They still do a lot of charity work uh, in the area. And for me, that kind of is their saving grace. And the other aspect of it is, they use their race, let's say Silver Rush, you can get a ticket for Leadville from there. But it's not the only way to get in, although it's pretty tough to get in Leadville. So that's a whole different issue about the lottery and not being super transparent about it. Um, but you can, you don't have to do it. And I think UTMB, that's definitely a direction. I, and that's also where I want to try to be positive is that I think UTMB has done a lot for the sport. And they can just change a few things. And I think that would go a long way. And for me, look, you want to, instead of the stone system, do the same as Leadville. You win one UTMB event, you're qualified for UTMB. But still, most spots would be for people that didn't necessarily race a UTMB race. But you still have an incentive. You can still go and like you, 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 you're part of a draw or something on your event. But you can also just go race UTMB plain and simple because you're lucky you got in the lottery system. That's more like on the Western States um, side. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, the yeah. Process, right? And they're yeah. not, uh, uh, you're not buying into the stones or the process um, or anything. If you want to be elite and you want to run at the front of the pack and you want to earn a golden ticket, that I think some of the races you're going to have golden tickets at them. Um, yeah, I'm not planning to get a golden <laughs> ticket like that. Well, but they can do that. And Western, what they could do but Western, it's not their race that they're giving golden ticket. I actually don't know the politics of what race is a golden ticket race, but I'm sure there's money involved in there because that's kind of a big deal. But they could also say, look, the, the top two runner will get a ticket and we're also the the 300 other runner that finished Black Canyon, we're, we're gonna have a lottery and three of you guys will randomly have a ticket for Western if you want it. Mm -hmm. And that's it, you know? Uh, but Western is too small to do something like that. I think it's what, like 300 runners. So obviously they can't really give out too many uh, tickets, but what UTMB could do that for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be a different play on it. I mean, I think there's a lot of options that they could come up with. Um, it'll be interesting to see. Um, I mean, I think in the most recent news, um, they came out with some generic statement, um, <laughs> it didn't I mean, say really generic, like, like yeah. something like copy and pasted from like a decade ago um when yeah. iron had issues you know <laughs> they're, they're trying to do damage control and and they're trying to take back the power and i think for me the other solution and that's the solution if utmb is the one kind of initiating and understanding that the stone system is just pissing off people um and if you have a good race you don't need the stone system i think the other direction would be it comes from pro runner a little bit and you have a professional trail runner association i just don't know how much coverage they have and how much power they have but one of the reasons UTMB has become what it is now is because they have too much power by being de facto world championship. If the trail running association decide like all of our members, like this is, we pick a race every year by vote, anonymous vote, and this is the final this year. It, it could be Leadville, it could be, it could be UTMB, it could be any race. And we, within the rules, it can be the same within a five years period. And we make sure it goes everywhere across the world. It's not just Europe and, and North America, which is also kind of an issue. There's growing market everywhere. We'll pick a race in Asia sometimes. We'll pick a race in South America. And that will give visibility to race that are very good, but also because it's a vote, 
any race organization that would treat runners like shit or have a bad reputation or doesn't align with values of trail running, they would need to change things. Otherwise, they'll never get elected. So I think pro runner like Killian and, and Zach, they were not calling for a boycott, but I think that's kind of the direction they were thinking. It's if we all agree that Leadville is where all the good runners are going to go, that's what matters. This year, winning UTMB, it's always a big deal, but it's not the race to win. And it's not the race to say, look, I'm faster than Jim. I'm faster than Killian, like Solomon, sponsor me. And I think that would, that would go a long way. And that would help UTMB also save their image because now they would need to focus on being a good race and doing their little things and not having to worry so much about, about so many sponsorship and having basically being overbooked all the time. So I'd be curious to see how, um, the pro field, I don't know, the top 25 um, men and women um, that are winning these events um, would feel about that. Um, I've always thought the same thing and, and the same threat, um, same vein as you. Um, I, I, I always want to pit the top 25 people against each other. I mean, not, mm -hmm. in a good way, like just to see who um, the top is, is, um, you know, can anyone um, run with Courtney, um, you know, and, and it's usually the scheduling is the issue like, oh, like maybe this runner that might be able to run with Courtney has done a different event. Right. And so so I, I kind of like that idea or that format where you're 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 trying to group the the fastest runners together to um, to make an actual event to see how the, it, the cards fall out, because it's always interesting to see, oh, like, I don't know, we'll say like I'm just using names here, like any use as, as an example. Right. Like how how does it play out um, in her schedule as opposed to like a Courtney DeWalters, right? And, yeah. and, and are they missing each other throughout the whole season and not really um, getting um, one quality event in that they're racing each other um, as an example? I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm sure they've raced each other before, but what yeah. I'm getting at is like- it can, Yeah, can I'd, be I'd be curious to hear what they think because I think on the flip side, the reason why they would be defensive about that is, look, if the 24 top runner are doing the same race and I'm 25th, I'm just going to go UTMB and I'm going to win. And sure, you know, it's not the final, but it's still a major race. So I, I can see how they probably sometimes pick very strategically the race that they're doing. If they know that, you know, Francois and Jim and Zach and Killian are all racing the same race, there's, there's no value for, for a pro runner finishing eighth. So I think if they did that, I think they would, well, first they would get a lot of power so they would be able to sign sponsorship and maybe they're able to have a good prize money or, or something that goes beyond just the visibility of winning the world championship, which is like a nice bragging right. But you have to think about whoever finishes seven. If there's no value finishing seven, then they won't come. And that's where very quickly it just doesn't work. So maybe you have to have a big prize pool or, or maybe if they have enough money, just the fact that they participate, you have some kind of stipend or something. Um, I, I don't have like the, the exact format, but I see it as a dangerous that, well, every, every, everyone is racing this race close to Western state. I'm going to do Western state and like win easily. Like, well, you got the trail series that you were just um, describing and you're going to w one of the events in Quebec, I believe. Um, yeah. Is there any buy-in to that? Have we seen any, any buy-in to that process just yet? I, I mean, I, I understand it's a trail series and it's, it's um, maybe a recreation or a new creation of um, something that's been done in the past. But again, if, if we're not buying into it um, or the, the or the pro field, that top 25 that we're discussing, 
aren't buying into it, then it doesn't really ha hold as much clout in my mind. That that's exactly the issue I think with the World Trail Major, and that's partly why I want to race these races and make YouTube videos is to give visibility because if there's no buy-in, and I understand the pros won't care so much, but if at least average runner are like, hey, that's kind of a cool concept, that can help them gain legit legitimacy because the the issue with the a series and a score system like that so the way it works for people who don't know there's now 10 race i think and your top two race will give you points and whoever has the more point will win now the issue with something like that is that it becomes very strategic about which one you pick just pick the race that no other pro runner well i mean there will always be pro but pick a race that you feel confident getting a good ranking you, you don't want to go the same day that corny is going go a different one she's not going to do all 10 of them and that can lead to something that's first not super exciting because the winner won't be decided on a specific day it, it might be they raised the first two races of the year and that was it and the winner might never race second place like they never actually went against each other so it's hard to say you won because you have more points than the other person but the other person just picked the wrong race so i don't know I, do you know how it works like so here's my I don't question. know the like, details. Yeah, I don't know either. It's it, it, um, what I'm getting at is if you ran ten events and I ran two, do you just assume more points because you ran ten, or is it your... no? Because they only pick, and I might be wrong about the two, but that's what they were saying before. But like, if I ran ten, they will pick my two best uh, ranking in oh, there okay, for the points. Sure. So the advantage of running more than one is if you have a bad day it helps but racing 10 of them well first it's impossible some of them are the same day which also is problematic in a race format um but yeah so so it's about oh, being you strategic even, you couldn't even do 10. And no you can't it's not yeah, it's not feasible so so i think that's an issue a little bit um i think what they could do though is that the the point system would qualify you for kind of a final or something and then you have a specific race that we have to watch and we have to be excited and they pick a different one uh, every year out of the 10. And uh, the, the price for, for, for the race to be potentially the final is to be someone part of the organization. Um, we'll see how it evolves. It's, it's been done before and we'll see. But I think one other aspect that I very much like about the idea of changing what would be the world championship is just making it happen is difficult, but UTMB is a specific type of race. And you have a lot of bragging right if you win that but there's other types of race and we see it with western state for example you have Havelina or black canyon or our golden ticket race for western state and they're kind of not exactly the same type of race so some people will perform very well at the race like Havelina. they will do like what like 12 hours or 13 hours and sure they're good runners but maybe not for a Western state and even less so for a UTMB. So at least if it was a different race, you would have more your desert fast race. You would have your mountain hardcore race and you, you know, you would have your herd and it would be the jungle and different types of climate. So it would be a more well-rounded profile of trail runner, as opposed to you're used to the Alps, you know, because I mean, Jim Wasley moved to the Alps to be able to win the race. Um, if it was the secret, you know, secret ingredient to win, that's great for him. But what about people that don't have the resource to do that? Is it unfair that he can tr he can train in the same type of terrain than someone who lives in Phoenix or something? You know, it's kind of odd a little bit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think you see that in the pro field. I mean, there's a lot of pro athletes moving to Leadville, moving to Flagstaff, moving to um, the San Juan Mountains. You know, I mean, I think um, you, you know, and so uh, Jim moved to 
Europe to, um, to, to be specifically on the course. I would um, love to do that. <laughs> you should. You should totally do it. I, I should do it. I should do it. I'm waiting for a sponsor. That's the problem. Who's in a Yeah, I need a, a sponsor. <laughs> <laughs> I, need, I need a sponsor. And I don't think my, uh, well, I would be what? Finisher a thousand on UTMB or something like that. So I don't, I don't think that's going to cut it. So it's good. So it's actually funny that you say that because I was just thinking, um, we haven't even brought up the name yet of the, um, uh, of the show that we're doing. And it's, um, and I think we've sort of agreed on bombing on ramen. Um, so maybe ramen will pick up the bill. Maybe we can get like an official sponsorship through ramen. I mean, um, seriously, I darn enough of it to, uh, to, to earn a little bit back from them. I mean, can I, can I plug my actual, like not quite sponsor, but they should be, there's definitely Coca-Cola and there's definitely <laughs> McDonald's. I mean, I know they're not usually sponsoring athlete, but it's a match made in heaven. There's no question there. I'm very into their product. I actually calculate the calories for Coca-Cola in some of my race and at least a third of my calories come from Coke. And that you're like doing that methodically, like on a spreadsheet, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I knew that. It, I it's an actual thing. That. Like I actually calculate. I do it for my channel to know, like, okay, what's up? How many calories I have? And you would think that a lot of calories come from gels because you you feel you take a lot, but when you make the math, it's like, yeah, I had fifteen gel, which is a good amount. But that's you drink a lot of soda, Simon. I, I mean, we I paced you and yeah. I've been at different <laughs> events, and you drink a lot of soda. Yes, Dr Pepper is better, but it's usually there. They don't have it at eight station. Under the Coca Cola umbrella? Huh? Is, is Dr. Pepper under the Coca-Cola umbrella? Oh, wow. Well, that, that, I'm, I'm comfortable talking politics about UTMB, but Coca-Cola <laughs> and soft drinks, like I draw the line there. They could destroy my life. So no, I actually don't know. I don't think so, but I'm not, I yeah. don't know. I don't know if it's standalone. I, I think it might be under the Coca-Cola umbrella. Could be. Um, could be. Cool. Hey, so quick thought about that. Um, do you know what comes from ramen? What, what calories come from ramen? How, the amount of calories how many how methodical is your spreadsheet for um nutrition so i the way i do it is because i'm filming my race with the gopro after each aid station i say very specifically what i had and then i'll calculate so for ramen it really depends if it's like one of these square cubes and usually you don't have the full pack so it's a little hard to estimate mm. but from one of these bowls it's 390s which is solid but it's a lot of ramen like you you really have to sit down and eat that uh, but it's good calories yeah so they might be second tier like a lower like a silver sponsor and a silver sponsor yes that's true <laughs> yes exactly <laughs> oh man we got our hierarchy already so coca-cola and ramen if you're out there we're here we're ready to talk we're here ready to <laughs> rock and roll and but mcdonald's you, honestly mcdonald's i you know yeah. i'm not i'm not mcdonald's but, uh, I'm not, I'm not a fan, but after a race, when I'm super hungry, you know, like when the hunger comes after, like, I, I don't know for you, but for me, towards the end of a race, I really can't eat anymore. And then eventually maybe a few hours after it kind of picks up and my body is like, it's time to, it's time to eat Simon. And Magdo is, is a good one for me, uh, because you can get like 3000 calories for, well, it used to be cheap. Pretty um, quickly. <laughs> yeah, it used to be cheap, but now it's not cheap anymore. And they have like, and they have usually you can refill your Coke. And I think that's actually why I like it so much because then I'm going all the time. So I get, I probably get more calories from the Coke there also. The, the fountain machine. Hey, one dollar for unlimited Coke. I mean, <laughs> they're not really, making a profit out of me. Let me tell you now. that. <laughs> 
Um, other news, just thinking, um, did you see the Olympic marathon trials this weekend? I have not, but uh, what happened there? Man, it was super exciting. So I'll, I'll, I'll briefly give you the recap. Uh, men's and women's Olympic marathon um, was in uh, Orlando, Florida. Um, it was a super nice day. It looked like it was, uh, I mean, I watched it on TV, so I wasn't there um, firsthand, but it looked like it was a super nice day. It was uh, partly cloudy. Um, it got up to 75 degrees by the finish line, but they started out early enough that it wasn't that hot um, when they started. Um, nice big packs, um, everyone uh, playing nice and playing fair. Man, it was awesome. I'm, I'm just I'm just into running and um, and I was super excited. I was like a little kid. I was sitting like like I could sit on my couch and watch TV, but I was sitting on the floor in front of the TV watching it. Um, that's how intense um, I was into it. Um, the men's um, race, just to briefly recap, um, stayed together for quite a bit, um, maybe up to mile 16 or so. And then Zach Panning, gosh, what an effort this guy had. He's, he's, he's a Brooks Hansen um, sponsored athlete. He leads this charge and he's um, pulling um, Young and Mance along with him, uh, two other guys who are teammates, Mance and Young are teammates together. Um, and they were sort of the favorites coming in or, um, or not even sort of, they were the favorites coming in. They have qualifying times already um, in short order. Uh, the three of them go and Zach is just driving this little three train um, of, of guys and they're just sitting on his shoulder and they're um, they're in great spirits. And it, it's interesting to see because I, I haven't seen it before or you see it less likely um, than in the trail world, but they were supportive of each other. They were um given little not high fives but little slaps of the hand the teammates little encouraging words um there was actual some dialogue going on where they were um, talking to each other at the water stations like hey you know you're looking good St stick with it i you know it hurts but you know it, it was encouraging to see that um they were encouraging each other and they were actually the two teammates were actually encouraging zach as well who's not their teammate um so the the drama was unfolding if zach ran under a 208 something i can't remember I'm, I'm i'll make it up but 20830 i don't know what the actual number was it's 208 mid 208 um mm -hmm. two hours eight minutes and some and some change in seconds um zach would have um got a third qualifying spot for the u.s team um there was only two allotted um and the third um spot um, could only be guaranteed if he ran, if the third person ran under the 208 qualifying standard. Um, so oh, it didn't happen um, in short order. Um, Zach's wheels fell off and you just got a feel for the guy. Um, it, his wheels fell off. He started, he went to the back of the threesome and was holding on for a while. And they were encouraging him to stay with us, stay with us. He, they, they were acknowledging the fact that he made the move. Um, he did a lot of the work to get him to 22 or whatever mile uh, later on into the race um, it was. And um, it was exciting, but the wheels fell off and he just started, the elastics just started snapping and it just went backwards for Zach, unfortunately. I was, and I was on the floor in front of the TV rooting for him. Uh, it was, mm -hmm. it, for me, it's like super exciting. Um, I'll tell you the side story um, after the fact, after I give the recap of both. Um, the two teammates go on to win. They are encouraging each other all the way to the line. Um, smiles across the board um and they take one two um if i'm looking um career came in um third he might make the olympic team at 209 57 um but what's going to happen is um the other countries will have to um establish their olympic teams 
um, based on times. And if there's um, room, they'll backfill it with an American third who could be career, uh, Leonard career at uh, 209.57. Um, Zach winds up falling all the way back. I mean, not all the way back. It, it sounds dramatic um, the way I say it, but he fell back to sixth overall. He ran a 210.50. Um, so uh, just, just an amazing effort all across the board. Um, really exciting on the men's side. The women's side, um, quite honestly, wasn't as exciting, um, at least from my point of view. Uh, Fiona O'Keefe, um, I don't know where she came from, um, this mid-pack of 20 girls, uh, 20 um, of these elite runners, and, and just starts driving this thing and just breaks the elastic. And she runs solo effort to the finish by herself. Uh, she ran a 222.10. Um, Emily Sisson, who I was rooting for, came in second at 2.22.42, so she was 32 seconds back. Um, and Dakota Linworm, who did um, initially make a move and was driving um, driving the group, um, took third overall. And on the female side, um, for the U.S. women, um, three spots were available. So um, Dakota did make the team, um, as opposed to the men's side that only had two spots available. Um, I was rooting for Sarah Hall as well, always, um, always a great athlete, super inspiring. A lot of her Instagram stuff is really super cool in, in the space. Um, she fell back to fifth, um, came across the line at 226.06. Um, and I want to say that the standard was set at 226.30-ish, and I don't know that for a fact, which means looking at the standings um, uh, behind the camera here, um, that it, it fell to eighth place that made the Olympic standard um, for the women. So so super fast times for them, um, really exciting race, um, and, and just kind of a, a, a great feel for um, early 2024 and what the Olympics might look like for us as a country um, moving forward here for um, the Paris Games um, later on September, I believe, roughly. Um, you, you know, I, I'm kind of curious because I don't nearly know as much like with marathon, but my impression is that th their race are very destructive for their body in comparison to trail running where it's not that we're lazy, but I think because we don't push to these pace, pro runners are able to race a little more, you know, like Courtney, obviously like Courtney is a beast, but she, she raced like, oh, I'm doing Western and hard rug than UTMB within what, like a four months period, which is insane. But, but for marathon, it feels that's not very possible. They typically do what, two or three years and if O'Keefe, I think, won Boston last year, right? Like on the ladies' side, or maybe finished second. I don't. I, I don't know. Off the top of my head. Um, maybe I'm confused. I'm terrible with names, but I, I thought she did. I thought she did really good. Anyway, but what's gonna happen with Boston Marathon in a year like this? You know, like because it's a good question. All, you know, all I, these um, runners, you know, they're they're blown out. They're not they're not ready for April. All all the Americans are not ready, and a lot of the qualifying times or race will be around this time. And then you have September and or whenever the, the Olympics are, and you got to prepare for that. So what gives, you know? So it's interesting. That's a good question. I believe that some of these um, participants um, that may not have made the team um, might continue on with some fitness and run um, run the world, um, the, the world majors, um, Boston mm -hmm. being one of them or the first one in kind of the realm. Um, because it's, um, it, I don't know, in an Olympic year, it may be more low-hanging fruit. And I, of course, um, I don't mean it in the, in the in a derogatory term. By <laughs> it, would, 
We're I mean, still not winning, Brian. Yeah, you and I are. are, are uh, yeah, I, I saw yeah. them win, but uh, it's from the TV screen because because uh, because yeah. I, I can't and run as fast as I can. And in a qualifier like that, they were what, like thirty runner or something like that. Oh, probably more. The it, the, um, it, do the they start... pull the plug sometimes? Because if you see, you know, if you see you're not top five, like what's the point? Like then, yeah, yeah definitely. You're works. shooting for on the men's side. You're shooting for the potential of a third spot if you run the qualifying standard 208 and change. Um, yeah. So definitely two are going, but the third is a question. Um, and so I think that was Zach's um, uh, feel for it. Like he and um, and the two guys that did win already met the standard, so they. So they didn't have to re-meet the standard, if that makes any sense. Um, mm -hmm. But Zach would have um, would definitely needed to make the standard as well. Um, but in short order, um, three females um, are accepted and going um, to represent the U.S. There's obviously an alternative, um, the fourth place female and the third and or fourth place male will be yeah. the team alternative in case something happens to one of those athletes. Um, but otherwise, you, you got maybe four spots deep. And you yeah. got 40 plus. And then you, you kind of know, right? Like, I, I feel that you kind of know if it's not your day, mm -hmm. I, especially at that level. Like, they, they know themselves. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's not your day. You're halfway through and you're like, look, like, there's no there's no way I'm catching up. I, and then what you're destroying your body. So, yeah, a lot of them did pull the plug. And um, in the um, in the live coverage, you could um, they were giving us updates on who who got spit out the back and who who just walked off the course. It was a two mile loop and then three eight mile loops, um, mm. and so no one was too far from the finish line to um, to pull the plug and call it a day um, and maybe save it for a Boston or another event if it yeah. wasn't their time. Um, so yeah, and then even um, uh, like Molly Huddle um, was dealing with a knee, knee issue and she pulled she. Um, she gave up her spot um, just a few days before the event, so she didn't even toe the line. So maybe um, she'll be back and, and healthy to um, race the Boston and the other ones mm -hmm. coming up. But she, um, you know, won't make the Olympic team on this go around. Um, and it, it, you know, there's, you know, you're, I'm rooting for him. It's, it's exciting to watch it on TV. But then you know, when you see the fourth, fifth, sixth, and, and later finishers coming in, like they. They've spent so much energy at this, um, you know, racing and training for four years for one shot, and uh, you know, it, it's 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 heartbreaking. It's it's similar to the the golden hour at Leadville, you know, like when yeah. you you, know, you see these guys coming in and they they might not have enough real estate and enough time, or too much real estate and not enough time uh, to get to that finish line, and you're you know, you, you know, it, you start to get choked up for them. You know, it's it's kind of an emotional deal, and these guys yeah. put in four years of effort to. Uh, to show up fifth place or or later and and it may not happen for them still you know yeah it, it's a rough format when you think about it <laughs> but i i cannot imagine a better format to do it but to qualify for the team it's it's based on one event on one day and if for yeah like you you're you're fresh out of an injury you you could be ready for september and you could be a better runner than someone else but it's just really the timing is not good and that's it you know four years I mean, it's not it's not like they don't race other race and it's not like, you know, there's major marathon, but I, I find I find it rough for for them. I, I feel sorry for them. Yeah, a lot of them, Jenny Simpson, Molly Huddle, uh, Kira Damato, they all pulled the plug. So um, so it'll be interesting to see how they go. Um, others that um, you got Lindsay Flanagan and Des Linden, they did finish um, the race um, under 230. 
um, easily under 230. Uh, Dez was 11th overall. Um, I'm a big fan of Dez. Um, Galen Rupp on the men's side, um, he was still 214.07. Um, just just a lot of good names in there. Um, and then a lot of DNFs on the men's side that um, that pulled the plug, realizing, hey, uh, you know, I'm not going to make this move and I'm falling behind. Um, so interesting format, just different than uh, the sport that we're used to. Um, and, and how we race in our structure, um, particularly you and I, Simon, in in the mid the middle of the pack here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we 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 don't. But that's yeah. It's it's more the Olympic is a weird race to begin with. Like it's not open. It's it's not like you can have ten thousand runners. Um, mm -hmm. Because if it was the case, then it wouldn't be as big of a deal to qualify. Then it's more a matter of like you got to win that one and. I feel some of the major might be a little bit more like that and well not anyone but you know any pro runner can run boston like they all qualify for it obviously and then it's made the best person win today um mm -hmm. we, but, but of course i wouldn't work for an olympic but yeah different format well that was uh my weekend i was super excited to watch it so the drama with that oh yeah i was gonna go back and tell the side story uh the drama with that is that my neighborhood i live in a small little community um outside of town i live in the county limits not in city limits and i don't know i i've only lived here eight years and the neighborhood's much older than that um in sections of it and so they're doing phases and they're on i don't know phase six or phase five and they're gonna build another cul-de-sac or two with another 10 homes in those cul-de-sacs. Um, and they've been doing some, some work, some infrastructure work is what I should call it. So just the, the, just the beginnings of it, right? Um, and recently our neighborhood has been experiencing these power outs or brown downs and just, oh. just kind of these things. And so no other time, um, yesterday morning, I'm watching the Olympics and the power goes out. I'm watching the Olympic trials and the power goes out and I have to, and it goes out for 10 seconds, comes right back on. Um, and you would think you just turn your TV back on, but I do live out of town and, and all these things. So I have to reboot my TV and my TV has to connect to the Wi-Fi in order to run. And of course that takes time. And by the time I get it back on, I got it on one of the first few times and within 30 seconds it went back out and it takes like four minutes to get back on, um, which over the course of two hours and uh, eight minutes is, isn't you know uh, critical. Um, but oddly enough, I missed the men's finish because of a power out. Oh um, no. But I had it on record and I was able to watch it after the fact, but I was watching it live and wanted to watch it live. Um, I have a, I have a little um, mother daughter apartment um, in my basement in my house, actually um, right behind me. Um, and my, um, my renter, Tom, he's a real great guy, um, super nice. He came over last night and was just chit chatting. He said he heard me person through the wall <laughs> and he obviously knew that the power was out because the power would go out and then i would cut yeah. and I'd have to restart the whole system and the turn and then i was like you know i explained to him the story i'm like normally the power going out it's not that big of a deal i'll, I'll find something else to do i'll go shovel the yard i can yeah, yeah. do the dishes whatever it is you know like i can do fine things to do i said but it was because i was watching the marathon um trials live power so goes funny. Six times during it you know so just kind of frustrating on my personal Wrong timing but yeah, and here I am in front of the TV, you know, like just hitting the button, like restart, restart, restart <laughs> you know, trying to trying to get it to uh, up and run. So hopefully we can. Uh, hopefully, if my HOA is listening, you guys will get that chip figured out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's funny. So that's my drama for the weekend. But um, anything else you could think of before we uh, wrap it up for the for the um, the intro episode? No, no, that was fun.
That's fine. Yeah, that's good. I think uh, I think we got a good good format. Hopefully, you guys um, enjoyed that, and um, we'll work on refining it um, as a process along the way. Oh yeah, we should ask question for Coach Brian. Oh yeah, I think we got some formats coming up. So I think the structure is um, ask the coach a question. Um, I think our current events, um, we kind of nailed it um, this particular episode, but we could always um, have that. We um, our format is also to bring on some um, some guests as well. Um, obvious, not maybe maybe it isn't obvious. Hopefully, um, I think people would get bored with just you and I having a conversation all the time. So. I, I think so. We'll bring too, on some very guests. quickly. <laughs> Definitely bring on some guests. So, uh, yeah. so I want to make that clear. It's not just going to be uh, you and I uh, talking about nothing. Or something, um, but anyway, um, definitely bring on some guests, and we also have some ideas on bringing some some regulars and maybe um, and not so regulars um, on the show, and just kind of um, having a, a more of a conversation with some other um, people in the space. Um, yeah, and yes, spouses also, so de facto crew and pacers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, spouses. Yeah, we're talking about our spouses. We have a we have a good friend that um, uh, that really follows the the sport um, yeah. at, at all levels, um, at the pro ranks, all the way down to the back of the Packers. Um, Mark is a, um, a podcast aficionado. I think he said to me like a a podcast suggestion once a week. Um, hey, you should listen to this one. You should listen to that one. It's great. I love it because I need that kind of stuff to kind yeah. of uh, find those nooks and crannies in the space. Yeah, curated material. It's marked, marked approved, so that's good. So, um, Oh shoot! What is the guy's name? Um, uh, Bill Doper. Do you know who Bill Doper is? No. Oh, so Bill Doper. Um, Bill Doper is an old timer um, guy. He. Um, I'm not sure of the history of Bill Doper. We probably in one of the next few episodes probably should um, ask Mark if um, he could fill us in on the on the more specific history of him. But Bill Doper um, was um, what what we called back in the day the super fan. He knew all the stats and all the um, numbers of every athlete, um, probably the top 50 in any particular race. Um, I mean, if there was a betting sport, you could probably ask Bill Doper at the time and he would know, you know, like the odds of who could win um, potentially the event. Um, and he was an old timer, didn't, um, didn't participate um, by the time I knew who, who he was. Um, but he became a little bit of a legend in the space. Um, there is a there is a bench outside of the what is the coffee shop in um, Leadville? Um, oh, um, yeah, I have the hat. Isn't there a Mountain Pass Cafe or there's a bunch no, of things? You, you get all your mountain towns mixed up, I would imagine. Um, yes. But City on the Hill Coffee Shop in Leadville, Colorado has a bench out front um, that you could sit and enjoy your coffee and look at the views. And that bench is dedicated to Bill Doper. Um, the oh, super interesting. Fan, the super fan. And so um, when Bill Doper was still with us, Bill Doper has passed on, unfortunately. Um, when Bill Doper was still with us, I um, always referred to Mark as um, Bill Doper Jr. or the next Bill Doper because Mark has a ton of that information as well. Um, he, he's got all the stats and um, and in his unique position um, for his career, um, Mark works um, with headphones in his ears and listens to podcasts like all day long while he's doing his job most of the time. I, I don't know if I'm going to get him in trouble at work for doing that, but um, 
but that's that's the case that um so so he's just always listening to the podcast and, and keeping an ear in the sport and the space um so for me mark is like the super fan um that knows all the ins and outs yeah that's awesome yeah we'll, we'll definitely have him and he can share his knowledge and good recommendation yeah. and he'll be running leadville as well this year with us so yes Hey, it's gonna be a big one this year. I know. I say we you, me, Mickey. Together. We should just all Mark. run together. I don't know about Mickey. I don't know if Mickey could run with us. Oh, he's not. Uh... No, he's in, but I don't think he could literally hang with us. He. Oh, he's not hanging. He's gonna go to the front. Yeah, he's, he's gonna, gonna go ahead. But yes, of course, of course. But we're gonna. Well, he's gonna line up ahead of us also. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll be in Leadville around the same time, and yeah. and the crews will be hanging out. That's that's the reality of it. Jeez. That means that Tracy and Nara, we probably need a third, we probably need a third will... tent out there at Twin Lakes. Yeah. Oh yeah. We need. Yeah. We need that. That's true. We'll be a lot of people, a lot of crew. Well, I'm excited for the format, and I appreciate your time, Simon. Um, I look forward to um, more conversations, open-ended conversations, um, and meeting and talking more about the trail running space. Yeah, it's, it's fun. It's going to be fun. Okay. All right. Bye, everyone.